Okay, so we're back. We are back in black. That's right. So this is Victor. And this is Nick. And this is Megasheen. Now, why Megasheen? Well, we kind of thought of a, a kind of an interesting name to, you know, get your attention, but also taking from some of the things that are very key to us. For example, Mega is always used to talk about something geeky, whereas video games, comics, or what have you, something in space. And then Sheen, well, think of Afro Sheen. <laughs> this is coming from a black perspective. So, you know, put the words together. Right, on the black hand side. So we put these words together and we got Megasheen. So hopefully that is something that will catch on and, you know, catch your attention as you are looking for something to listen to. You got Megasheen coming from two black queers who love to talk about everything. Exactly. So today our theme is the black card. We're going to talk about um, being black and gay as well as talking about the hashtag called Gay Media So White that kind of took off and had his own life a little bit. And when it goes down, it comes right back up. So we're going to kind of talk about that and how we feel about those particular topics. And then I think at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about Prince because Prince um, meant a lot to us in a lot of different ways, even though Prince was not queer per se. Um, he really sparked a lot within the queer community, especially for a lot of us of color who grew up um, listening to Prince and looking to Prince as a model. Exactly. All right, so we're gonna get started. Let's get into being black and gay. Nick, tell us about you know this topic and why you would like to talk about that today. Being black and gay, um, you know, it's been not too difficult, but it's been challenging growing up in where I'm at, well, Kentucky, being black, and then compounding that with gay. And here recently, I'm just kind of getting comfortable with my skin. Hmm. So it's been a long, challenging road, but not impossible. And I think that both of our stories kind of will resonate with you know, somebody out there. Um, and I think we have a lot to say about the topic, um, being both black and gay. Uh, so for me, I was growing up, I was aware I was different, but when it was found, when I realized it was gay, then that became something that. I needed to hide quickly because down here it was already bad enough that I was black. It was bad enough that I was poor, but being gay on top of it, I mean, I was three strikes and I was out. Mm, yeah. So I had that, I had to cover that up quite fast. And I've, I had covered it up for so long that I'm still unboxing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm in therapy trying to unbox a lot of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't come out until, gosh, I must have been nineteen, twenty. Mm-hmm. And then I had transferred colleges, um, and then that's where I met my partner. Um, 
and I cause I wasn't really there wasn't this grand old party of oh I'm gay. I told my mom and I told my sister, well my older sister, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, if you found out, good. If you didn't, you know that's not my problem. And it was. It really does get better over time, but if you don't have those people, especially your family, which I rely on a lot to get through it, then it will be hard. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I It's interesting because I, I'm a little bit older, so when I was um, dealing with this, um, I was dealing with it in the 80s and a little bit of the 90s. And back then, I didn't really know that we existed. I think I only knew three things um, from like a television movie standpoint. I knew there was a movie called um, The Fan that had Lauren Bacall in it. And there was a scene where her soccer, I think it was Michael Bing, who was um, Reese in The Terminator, he had a plan to to pretend like he died. So he went to a gay bar and he um, found a guy, took him on the roof, the guy gave him a blowjob and he slit his throat and burned the guy alive um, to <laughs> say that, oh, I killed myself. Just to throw it off, to say that, oh, that was me who died so he could still soccer. And I remember my cousin sitting next to me saying, yeah, that's what happened to those people. And I was like, oh, well, I, oh, okay. And then later was um, Lamar Luttrell from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. And he was kind of a savior to me because I was always excited about him because he was the first black gay character I've ever seen. Um, he was considered a nerd, um, and he, but he was accepted by the nerds and he was able to be himself. So there were parts of me that was inspired and um, seduced by that character because it was like, he's who he wants to be. But the thing was, I didn't know anyone else like that at all. I feel like I was the only one. And I think another character that I saw um, was a movie, it's an old movie called Norman Is At You with um, um, Red Fox. He was the father and I think his son was gay. But the way they did it was on the comedic side, but it wasn't really serious. So I still didn't know how to take that. Um, And so I saw that before I saw um, Paris is Burning. So I spent many years not knowing who we were. I didn't know that we exist. And being black was something that I, that was easy to accept for me because I was in a community where, you know, there was a lot of black people. So therefore we, we all fit in, everybody knew each other. That wasn't really the issue. Um, I was somewhat upper middle class, so therefore it wasn't really that I went without, but I just did not understand who I was because I didn't know we exist. I didn't know anything about being gay. I didn't know anything about what I was feeling. I thought that what I was feeling was just completely off because I was liking the boys I was playing G.I. Joe with. I was liking the boys in my neighborhood. (laughs) And when I tried to like girls, it made no sense to me. Um, it took many years for me to understand it. I think this, when I finally realized we really exist was when uh, I saw my first gay porn at 17. We found a gay porn when I was 17 years old um, on a dare because my friends 
were or mostly women and they were like we never see two men we always see two women doing something in that so we after we got out of school we drove around town to see if we could find <laughs> this video and we had fake ids so we were able to like no 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 i'm wrong we didn't use our fake IDs for that because we can be 18 to get these videos. So we found we found one. It's called Cousins. I still own it. <laughs> um, to watch. And I we watched it. You know, I pretended to be grossed out, but inside I was just so excited because right. I was like, oh my God, we can do it like that. This is real. This is happening. Now I've had a little bit of experience beforehand, but it was just seeing it was 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 a delight for me. But the hard thing was they were all white. I did not see anybody of color. So I began to wonder, well, are, do we do this? Or is it just something for white people? Um, and then I went to college and a lot of that changed because I did meet a whole lot more gay people and a whole lot more black gay people. But I think we were all struggling with so much because in our community, we're dealing with religion. And religion is one of the biggest biggest elephants in the room when it comes to sexuality because you're already told that you have to be a man and you have to be manly but you're also told that being gay is a sin and so uh, for a lot of my friends we had to deal with you know being called demons and having a demon in us being less than and you know you already told you're less than as a black person but right. to be told that you are a sinful evil wicked person on top of all that was so much it was so much and i look back and i'm like how did i get through it because i had friends who did not get through it very well they went through so many horrible periods of denial and you know breakouts and you know so many things that they just to a point where it drove them not really to like therapy but drove them to do more um, promiscuous things like going out to the park you know then they right. felt like they were less than anyway so why not go and be treated like a piece of dirt by somebody out in the park you know and it, it, I feel like being black and gay is tough but I think that's an interesting piece for us because it makes us tougher um, because we go through a lot for those who can go through it and come out on top it is a struggle and I always tell my you know my white friends that I was like you know you're a little bit lucky because you got to see yourself you got a will and grace you got some people on MTV you got all that stuff you got to see yourselves we didn't get to see ourselves for many years we didn't get to see ourselves in positive role model because if we did we were you know seen as the joke we were seen you know as the people on the street we were seen as the ones who were always silent we just didn't have a voice we didn't have much of anything and so you know we didn't have the things that you had and so for us it is tougher for us to embrace our sexuality right off the bat because we we kind of treat it as something guilty you know i remember when i first had a sexual encounter with a guy i was 14 i'm not gonna lie i was fast <laughs> so when i <laughs> Well, if you want to be quiet as it's kept, it was eight, but we won't really get into that. But I remember feeling so guilty, and I remember just feeling so guilty. I didn't know how to look at myself. Right. Um, it took many years for me to be comfortable with what I'm doing is fine. 
Um, and luckily I had plenty of experience in college <laughs> to where it helped me feel better. But I realized that as a black man, as a black gay man, we are dealing with so, as you were talking about unpacking, we were, un, not only are we unpacking, we are moving to different places all the time. In the right. sense that, yeah, you move to this spot, this spot, this spot in your mind, in your heart about who you are and you're constantly unpacking. You're a nomad, I feel, in our world because we never can, it, I wouldn't say never had a place to, to unwind and to say this is a, a safe space, but it takes us a longer time, I believe, for us to find a safe space to say, I am black, I am gay, and I'm good with that. That takes a lot. It takes a lot for us to do that. There are men I have met, black men that I have met who still can't do that, and they're in their 50s, you know? And I'm just like, the, how can you carry this pain, this doubt, this guilt for so long where you can't feel free, you know? And so that's why it's, it's what, what we go through is a true struggle. And I, and I think our white counterparts don't, yeah, they, I'm not gonna say they don't have the struggles, but they don't understand how it is for us. You know, when we, when they don't, they don't understand what we are truly unpacking, what we are still holding on to and why we're still holding on to it. They don't understand that struggle. And so I think being black and gay has always been my honor, my struggle, my defeat, and my victory in so many ways. Right. I, I completely agree. I know for me, like when I was growing up, when I came to the realization that I was gay, I tried, you know, tried to hide that. And a couple of times I contemplated suicide. Um, but what really found me was uh, I went to went to run it. I went to track. Mm-hmm. And I did that to kind of hide the fact that I was gay. So, you know, a, a gay man can't possibly run track. And then once I found that I loved it, then, you know, I stayed with it and stayed with it until uh, almost through uh, all the way through college. And to this day, I still run. So... Running, for me, has been, it almost, for lack of a better word, it saved me. Mm-hmm. And once I came to the realization that it's okay to be into sports and then gay as well, I mean, I think that was another victory for me. Mm-hmm. And going back to, um, especially the black people in church, and there's this... Uh, this hyper masculinity and especially in the black community Mm -hmm. that in order to be a man you have to take care of the family you gotta fight anybody that says something out the way you gotta do this and you gotta do that and what it does it makes it it's suffocating especially to black men black gay men who can't who don't have no kind of any kind of outlet to, you know, vent. I remember doing a piece, a paper uh, back in school. We, I did it on uh, Alvin Ailey's uh, Revelations. If you haven't seen it, run out and go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and we I tied that to the hypermasculinity in the black community and how suffocating it is for a black gay black man to be in the church and like you said tell you the church tells you that you're evil you're a demon you're going to hell if you do this but then in the same breath they want the gay man to be the choir director yeah so how can how are you supposed to function as a person when the same church that you go to to lay down your burdens to get baptized in is a, a sort of safe haven is telling you that you're wrong anyway so where can you go now yeah and it's 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 tough and it's really tough out there and I'm thankful that I've had the mother and the sisters that I've had mm-hmm. because without them, I don't know if I could have made it. Yeah. For me, I was very lucky. Well, the funny thing is my mom pulled me out. I remember I called her. Um, no, she called and I was talking to her and she was like, well, I was telling, I was at the, I broke up with my girlfriend. I had one. I really did. Um, I had one, and we broke up. And my mom was like, well, I guess y'all not getting back together. I was like, no. She said, well, I realize that you can love whoever you want to love. If it's a man or a woman, I'm fine with it. And I was like, oh, you are? She's like, yeah. You know, I'm just going to say it. I just, I know. I just know. I just want you to know that I know. I was like, well, I, well, that's good to know. And it's funny because when this happened, my friends were in my room. It happened so fast. And I said, well, you're right, I am. And she was like, well, I knew that. I look back at everything that you did from taking these classes, these tap, piano, <laughs> wanting to be on fame. And it's funny, because you know, we always think that we are hiding. Right. We, and we're not. Like, it's so funny. I look <laughs> back at old pictures, and sometimes I post them on Twitter and, and Facebook, so some people see them. And I'm like, how do I think, when I had my straight, um, Thieves in the Temple Prince slash Monica the Boy's mind hair when I thought that I that nobody knew. And right. I, my hair was better than most girls. I was proud of that. I used to be like, I have the best rap lotion ever. But anyway, the whole thing was uh I it was funny how I thought I was hiding and I and everything about me screamed gay. And I'm and I'm not ashamed of that. I was happy about that. But it was just funny because I remember like when Janet came out with the Janet album, and you know, she was wearing like the Native American chokers and uh-huh. those type of stuff. I went out and bought that stuff too. I was pretty much doing all of that. And no other straight black man was doing that. Like I realized like I was doing everything. Here I was with this perm, at one point this T-Boz Bob I had, thinking that, you know, no one knew. And I was, but I love the fact that I was even though I was closeted, I was still expressing myself. And then when I did come out, how I was like, I needed to express myself. I needed to be who I was. For those who do know me, they know, you know, and you can, again, if some of you follow me on Twitter, you will see that I had different looks over the years that I've been happy to express myself. Because um, you have to. I feel like that we, you know, I got to college and I realized who I really was. I feel like this was time to live. I spent my high school years frightened, and I can't do that anymore. And, you know, for those who are listening and, and struggling, you have to think about that. This is your time to live. You should not 
hold back. And I know it's tough because you do have your family, you do have religion. I'm atheist. I let go of my religion years ago because I saw how destructive it could be. Um, I never was really a strong believer anyway. I was one of those people who it just never stuck with me. But I think when I got to college and I saw people manipulated it, for example, I had I was in a choir. I think we all joined a choir because it was just something to do. It was the thing to do. All the black students did it. Right. And um, one of my good friends to this day, he's he's a straight football player. And um, they loved him so much. But they also loved him to the point that you would go to him and say things like, stay away from Victor because he has that demon in him and it's going to get into you. You need to stay away from him. And I remember like, oh, okay. So you're not going to try to save me. It's about saving him. Right. So I guess I'm just, and, I, and it hit me like, that's interesting because you're supposed to be saving all of us, but you, you're going to save your favorite though. Mm-hmm. You're going to leave me to burn, but you're going to go save him. You mean, already going to hell, so we yeah, was, yeah, and I was like, really? Okay. And I said, also what's so funny was your other fave, you didn't know that he was sleeping with the choir director. Well, God didn't tell you about them. Mm. Just told you about me. Just gonna sit my tea over Yeah, here. okay. I was like, so, yeah, that's what I was doing. I was like, mm-hmm, okay, so this God you talking to has kept y'all blind over what's going on to your other fave. But, you know, and so, you know, it was a moment for me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let this go because I have you're not showing me why I need to keep believing in something where it's very selective. It only caters to those who you like or, you know, who you want the most in your pack. So, yeah, that that was an interesting thing for me to see. But, but it was also that eye opener that it was time for me to live my life. And luckily in college, I. I feel like I'm very fortunate. I had the great college experience. I had, you know, I had guys. I had, I was in um, black organizations. I was also in gay organizations. I was in both. Um, I received the Outstanding African-American Medal Award when I graduated. Um, and everybody knew that I was black and gay and out. Um, my best friend, who we just got reconnected um, recently, we we were popular in a sense that we were we got an award for having the highest grades of black males and we had to give a speech in murray state and we talked about like the fact that we both are gay and black and we have the highest gpas is the best gift we can give right not only to ourselves but to others who feel like they have to stay in the closet um but i think what but to jump back on a little bit more back on the topic I think about what got me through a lot of it. And interesting enough, it was geeky things. It was comic books. It was the out you know, the outlandish characters. It was Dr. Frankenfurter from, you know, Rock Hard Picture Show. It was Xanadu. It was all those geeky pop culture things that it's funny how we all resonate to that today. Um, but like if it wasn't for comics, is it what if it wasn't for those type of things, it would have been tough. I think it helped you know, sparked my creativity. It gave me a different avenue to express myself. Um, reading X-Men, reading Teen Titans, um, learning all my big words from Storm, <laughs> everything, <laughs> I, it gave me so much life and I'm always thankful for that. And I always think that that's been something that many of us um, queer people turn to is the fact that it was a world that we 
we could imagine. It was a world that we felt comfortable like, we felt comfortable in, and it was a world that we just really enjoyed. Um, people going through something that we could connect to. Right. I think that's why uh, X Men resonates so much with me mm-hmm. because you know it's it's basically the black uh, black issues. It's the gay mm-hmm. issues. It's the women's issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember growing up uh, waiting to get home to watch X Men or mm-hmm. when. Uh, Jim would come on back oh. on USA on the Cartoon Express and my mom. You said the Cartoon Express. Oh my God, yes. Because they kept, it was USA. They Watching kept it. they kept it going. They kept it going for a while. Yes, they? they did. And I just remember being safe. And I remember also that my mom had asked me, she said, Nick, why do you like Jim so much? And I was like, I don't know. I can't. And this was years ago. I was like, I don't know. It's just, it's something about it that just makes me safe now that I think about it. And that's true. I just, I mean, I also play a hell of a lot of video games to this mm-hmm. day. I'm still a big gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just those worlds that we built or we could build or were built for us that we just felt safe and we felt protected. And I know that a lot of geeks and a lot of my family members even um, felt safe in that, even though they're, you know, some of them are not gay or some of them are, you know, not this or that. But I am greatly appreciated that I found this little niche. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know if anybody listens to RuPaul's uh, podcast with uh, him and Michelle Visage, but he's always saying that you need to find your tribe. And now I feel like I finally felt found my tribe being mm-hmm. the black geek. And just now I feel like I'm finding that. And sure, it's taken a while, but at least I've stumbled on it, you know. And that's the neat thing. There's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of black queer geeks, um, geeks of queer geeks of color. Out, it's it's a lot of us out there. And I think that I love social media for that. That we're able to find each other. You know, we can say something on Twitter, and here's twelve people you never knew existed, um, and they and they come in. You know, either following you or just retweeting what you said or just being aware that, oh, there is someone out there somewhere. There's someone out there I can kind of talk about these things with. Or somebody will get when I make a, a a reference to Samantha and Serena. They will know who that is versus who are you talking about? I remember I said something about Serena and somebody was like, oh, the tennis player? I'm like, girl, I'm talking about the cousin on Bewitched, Serena. Like, you know, it's funny when you the connections you make over little things like that. Like I, 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 it's, it's wonderful that for many of us, the, the geek world is our connection. The geek world is what brings us closer together. I think what a lot of the friends I made in college, the black gay friends I made was because we love Xanadu and (laughs) we love Xanadu jam and we love um, horror movies. 
and all that brought us together. Those geeky things brought us together. I, I say horror is geeky because I think it is. But um, yeah. it, it brought us all together um, to a point, like even when I go to Comic-Con, I have a, I have a Lost Boys shirt that has David on it because I, people, I, people need to know I, I have a very strong passionate love for David. Yes, he's white. I don't care, but I have a passionate love for him. So I have a t-shirt with him on it. And I met so many people who share that love for him. Um, and it's like, oh, I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I know I wanted him. I wanted to run away with him. I wanted him to come into my town and I was going to get on his motorbike and we were going to leave. I was going to leave my mom. I was going to leave a note to my mom that I'm going to be a vampire now with David. And I love you. Like, I was going to leave it just like that. And that's how I was going to be. I didn't think twice about it. I was going to make sure Star got killed because I felt like she was going to be in the way. Because right. she was causing already causing problems. So I'm like, well, you know, you need to go on with Michael or go somewhere or mistake you. But David is mine. But, yeah, it's just funny how, again, a lot of these geeky things have brought us together and take away some of the pain that right. we feel. You know, because we can open a comic and read and see Storm go through that. I, for me, Storm went through a lot if you read if you read X-Men. And so there were just stories. One of the stories that just resonates with me is um, Life, Death 1 and Life, Death 2. Life, Death 2 was her understanding of herself. And that was what I used to use when I was younger to go to when I just felt really low. Um, I would read that about how she felt like she was still flying regardless of her powers or not and how you had to look into your strengths. I feel like Storm, the reason why I think a lot of us love Storm is because she is such a strong character and she just made you want to be better. She always had the best lines. As I said before, some of the big words I got from her. And I was like, I was using these words in school. People were like, what did you say? And I'm like, bitch, you need to, I said, I said, Miss Andrew. Like I wasn't making like, I said, Bella don't like whatever these words would be. I would just say it. And they were like, I had never heard that word before. And I was like, well, you need to know. Cause I know. So, you know, it's, You're it's, it. it's so funny how, you know, these things help us get by when it was tough, you know, and how to this day, we we turn to them still. Right. We turn to them. To this to this day we still turn to them. Exactly. I find myself like especially on social media, I'm more aligned to follow the black women mm-hmm. more than the other white gays. Mm-hmm. So uh like for instance, black girl nerds is always posting a lot of stuff that I follow. I follow uh Nerds of Prey their podcast mm-hmm. and they're always uh, posting a lot of stuff that means a lot to me Yeah. so I see a lot of what I like through them rather than a lot of the uh, what the other white gays are doing mm-hmm. and I actually I don't see a lot of them online either I'm mm-hmm. looking in the wrong place or they're just you know not in my view you know they they're there, and here's the funny part, and we can we'll get into a little bit more of this as we go further, but the interesting there are black there are oops there are white gay geeks out there, um, but I feel like I get more from the queer women who are white or of color when it comes to this stuff because white gay geeks tend to get 
caught up in the whole sexy look of things. Yeah. And you know, we we all do. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, you put a picture up of Jason Momoa up, and I'm just like. Speaking of which, <laughs> that one that he uh that was retweeted this afternoon. Yes. Lord. He needs to stop, and he needs to quit doing it because he's gonna get touched. Uh, like if I see him, I might fall on him. Like, oh my God, I didn't see this big hole. I just felt like I'm sorry. Thank you for catching me, you know. And I'm still touching on his arms and chest. But um, but I noticed that sometimes they it's very sexualized, and sometimes you don't want that. You just want let's just talk about you know the characters. Let's talk about the story that's going on. And you there some of them do that, but I feel like I get more of that from you know I get more of that from you know. Um, black girl nerds from fan bros from other people um, um, geek soul brother I get a lot more from that um, I think it was a uh, nerds of color I get more of in-depth conversations from that and I think what I would like to do you know is to provide that for you know our for our for us and I think right. that's why we're doing this podcast that's why I want to do more and reach out to more of us um, just because I think we do need to have a, a more stronger presence out there and people need to know that we are forced to be work, reckoned with. So, um, again, you know, uh, to be black and gay is a great thing. I don't want people to think that, oh, it's so tough. Yes, it is tough, <laughs> but it makes us so much stronger. It makes us so much prepared. We already in formation. We've been in formation. And it's like, we know what it is. You may not know, but we know. And I think that that's the power of us is because we can go through a struggle and come out. And regardless of where we are in that struggle, we know where we need to go. You know, like we know what's ahead in a way that we know we can get there if we try to do that. Um, But I also think that what we need to do is connect with each other mm-hmm. so we all can get there um, and then we can go back and get the others you know I mean right. and, and it's something that we learn from friends and family but also again bring up geeky stuff from that too you learn that from reading X-Men or any type of Avengers or groups that you know when they are strong together they're strong together and they'll go back and bring you back so you can be with them too and I think that's why it's important for us to kind of reach out and find each other and bring us together. Don't be shady all the time. I'm I'm kind of weary that that's becoming our new stereotype is to throw shade. I think that we we can still throw shade, but that's that's also be able to throw support. Now uh, let me uh, touch on that real quick because a lot of people say, "Oh, they throwing shade. Oh, they reading you." Well, a lot of them don't know how to read. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. A lot of these people can't throw shade. And to back it up even further, when we were talking about Paris is Burning, if you really want to know about reading and throwing shade, everybody needs to be required to watch that uh, documentary to see where the origins of throwing shade, to see where the origins of reading comes from. So before you fix your mouth to throw shade or read somebody, take a look back at these uh, people back in the 80s that were busting their ass, getting killed, getting beat up Mm -hmm. for your ass to, quote-unquote, throw shade. And I I think this is the fun part to kind of, we can segue in to talking about 
gay media so white because I think that's where we can really get into where you think about how that right there was a very good um, introduction to black queer life Mm -hmm. and how in some ways that was ignored. We think about Vogue and we think about so many things that came out there that that was taken from us um, that was used by gay media and how our faces and voices were just gone. Right, just erased. Yeah. Um, so to explain a little bit about that, for some people who don't know about gay media so white, um, this happened basically on a Monday. This happened on a Monday. A, a few a few weeks, like, yeah, about a few weeks ago. Um, um, I think it was Mikey Blanco. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, a gay rapper. Yes, um, who who has who has different identities in the sense that he is he and she is she at times, which I think is wonderful um, and very fascinating. Um, had a moment on Twitter where talking about how gay media just ignores us, and. Mikey was just going at it and I just happened to catch it and I was feeling it too. I was feeling all that energy and I just jumped in. It was like double dutch. It was like, I'm going to jump in because I got something to say about it too. And I created the hashtag. So I was like, let's look at all this stuff. Let's look at every time I turn around and go to a magazine space that's gay. It's just all these white faces. Or how when I go to West, I live in LA, so I go to West Hollywood rarely but it's very white. They make sure you know it's white. Um, I remember back when Prop 8 was passed. And for those who know Prop 8, Prop 8 was here in California. They basically repealed the right for us to marry. Um, and we were blamed for that. Black people were blamed for that. And if you were black walking around WeHo, as we call it here, West Hollywood, you got called a nigger quick. They called you a nigger in your face. And I remember sitting there, like, I heard about that. People who I was around told me they were called niggers in the face. They had to get out before they ran somebody down. It, it, it was just so much. And how we, at that time, we were not even given a chance to explain what was going on. But they gave people like Dan Savage and others their, you know, opinions about Prop 8. And they basically said it was black people's fault. And so I thought about all of that, how our voices was never heard, but white voices were heard quickly, especially when it came to race issues. They were the first ones. I was like, why are you talking about race? Um, and you're not even talking about it, right? But then I also think about the fact that when we did get any type of um, article, anything, it was about AIDS. And, and yes, it is important to talk about AIDS. I'm not saying it's not. But when it came to like people of color, especially black people, that's when we got our FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Like, they always want to see us yeah. in struggling or yeah. in, you know, basically the fetal position asking for help. Yeah, and and that was all you saw. It was like, have you, got, have you been taking care of this and this? And I was like, okay, well, about the white gays why well, don't see any ads about them why well, don't see anything about that and so you think about that for many years and prop 8 was passed in 2008 uh, but even before that i look back at the magazine covers when i was coming out from attitude to advocate out dna 
DNA, even some of the little fanzines you get like in big cities when you go, like in New York or in or in Chicago, or whatever, or even in Louisville, it was always like these white muscle boys, and you and and porn too. Porn is very white. Um, it was just so much that it hit me. I I just had to respond to it, and I. I, I remember I, I typed up a, just like I think of like four tweets and I was like, you know what, it's time to go home. So I was going home and I was in the car and um, at one part, you know, we were at a slow point. I just happened to look at my phone and I had like over a hundred something like tweets, retweets, all this stuff with this hashtag. And I started reading through it and it was interesting to see how many people wanted to talk about it mm-hmm. and really, really talk about how this has affected me in so many ways. I think what was so fascinating was the stories. I was just reading the stories over and over because people were either telling their own personal stories um, and then I just happened to Google the hashtag and next thing you know, I'm, I'm, it was all on Tumblr, it was on Facebook, it was on people's blogs. I was reading personal stories there. But I think... Child, well, I had to gather somebody up on Facebook before it. Like, but so. true, but you know that that's another thing to talk about was the fact that there were people. I expected white people to you know make a big deal. I expected that, but I think what was kind of disheartening was I saw that from black people. Um, really talking about like why are we begging? Why are we all in the white gaze? I was like, no, it's not that. We're not begging. We are demanding our place. Why, I mean, why is it that they don't put us there? We need to, I, I just want answers. I'm demanding answers. Right. What, like, can you, can we get the answers? Like, why is that considered complaining? Um, it was interesting to see people, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, said, I was just going to say, you can't be mad at us for if we create our own space mm-hmm. and then mad at us when we demand a space with you. You can't have it both ways. That's how it's going to work. Not today, not tomorrow, yeah. or next week. It was that, but also I was feeling that I was getting what I got from some black men was there was a couple of things I was getting. Some black gay men who have like a, tons of followers on Twitter, and some of them I'm like, I haven't even heard of you, so I don't know how you even got this many followers. Um, not to say if I haven't heard of you, nothing, but I was like, I've never, no, I've never seen anybody retweet you, so I don't know who you are. But they will say something like, well, this is nothing new, and there's bigger issues. And I was like, first of all, I'm not talking about black men. I'm talking about queer people of color, one. And two, since you made this, I actually approached somebody. I'm not going to say who it is, but I said, well, since you have made this about you, what are you going to do about this? Because this person tweeted about them, them, them. And I'm like, we're not even talking about you. We're talking about how this affects all of us. But now since you made this about you, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so, it was that, um, but there was one particular person, he writes for Queerty. Um, we had an interesting chat at 6.30 in the morning at the gym, because <laughs> I was, I had my, my I had to use my phone, because normally I have my own little iPad, or my iPod, but my, it, it was in charge, so I had to use my phone, and I saw his responses, and he was mostly saying like, you know, we should make our own and we do that. And I was like, well, that's fine, but we don't always have the resources. And that's one thing I want to, you know, put out there too. Yes, we can make our own. We have our own out there, but they will also explain to you that that costs money, that we need the resources. We don't have the resources as some of our white counterparts do. So yes, we have had many 
outlets that some of them had to shut down because they don't have the money or the resources to keep that up. It takes resources, folks. And if we're not going on Muse, if we're not going on um, different ones that have been out there, and you know, if we're not going, if we're not supporting um, G-List Society, if we're not supporting a lot of the gay, black, or people of queer people of color blogs or what have you, they're going to go away. So we have to support them more than to be there. And a lot of them are dying out. So it's hard to say, you know, we can do our own because we can, but to keep that going at the pace of some of the, our white counterparts is tough. Yeah. And, you know, not just with these, uh, these magazine covers. I mean, you see it, look at Will and Grace. Were there any people, gay people of color? Not then, until the end of the, not to the end. <laughs> well, I think it was Tay Diggs was introduced. Anyway, huh. yeah. Anyway, um, queer as folk. Oh. Uh, I mean, you did have Noah's Ark, but how many seasons did that run? Two. Yeah. Maybe. And then you actually have Logo as a network channel, which routinely caters to the straight the quote-unquote straight acting muscle-bound white guy mm-hmm. see that in everything especially in porn and if we are in the if black or other people of color are in the porns then the black ones are relegated to the thugs yeah or the bad boys or the gangsters yeah or this overtly aggressive hyper-masculine guy that's yeah. this mandingo looking nigga with this 12 inch dick that is just ramming anything and everybody with it yeah so it just we're already sexualizing ourselves as it is yeah and then to have it done by media is you know it exacerbates the situation and yeah and that's and that was what bothered me the most because I always looked at you know, when you look at all the blogs, you look at all the blogs, you look at all the media, it, we were barely there. But then if we were there, we were highly sexualized. Um, it's funny now because after the hashtag went out, I noticed that certain blogs start posting more queers of color, but mostly as like hot piece of the day. I'm like, OK, well, that's cute. But we need to do more than that. Where are your where are your people of color writers? Right. Where are the stories about what we're doing besides the fact that we're dying? What are other stories? Why can't we be used when you're talking about basic things like 10 things you can do while you're in Paris? Why can't we have people of color in that picture versus all white? Um, you have They have to know that when we don't see ourselves, we don't believe in ourselves. And I think that we we have to be seen to understand that we have a place in this community. I... I, I love that we do have our own communities to go to, but I still think that overall we are a huge community that needs to be welcoming to all of us. Trans, people of color, women, all that, we all need to be welcoming to each other. The, the white gay male perspective has run and ruined us way too long. And I think that needs to change. The funny thing is, um, Kind of going back to what I was saying about one of the writers of Queerty is a black person. We had a conversation about this where he felt like we were begging for things. I said we was not begging for things. But then later he turned around and kind of, he wrote an article. He was like, you know, I'm going to write an article about solutions. And I was happy about that because we had a good exchange where I thought he 
realized that he needed to focus more on what we could do versus what he was feeling to a degree. And I just felt like that was good for him to do. But I had um, run-ins with some editors of some of the major magazines that I called out, that others called out as well. And it was interesting to see how they um, played the victim. I even tweeted a little bit about how, you know, like, oh, well, I'm a white person and you said, well, it's the white man's fault, so I can't, I don't feel like I can do this and everything else. They turned it into where it was like, well, you hurt my feelings, so how do I respond to this? I'm like, it's not even about you. It's not about you at all. It's being so aggressive and, you know, these white tears are, you know, worth their weight in gold. Yeah. So that sorry ass try <laughs> and and that's what happened that was like really are you gonna turn this about you um a lot a lot of this was behind the scenes uh, one particular editor did post his stuff and then took it away but somebody screen captured it and i found they gave it to me and i retweeted it so everybody else could see it but they did turn around and talk about like i for 13 years i did all of this for you know i did all this diversity work i was like okay okay but, but what else have you really done? Um, it, this particular person also told me that they were mad that I used a cover from 10 years ago. Why would I do that? I was like, I wanted to show people how long we have been dealing with this. I wanted you to see that, yes, it's been 10 years of, I guess more than 10 years, but to see 10 years of the fact that we don't see ourselves. Mm-hmm. But you will put Ryan Reynolds up there four times. You will put... Um, Hugh Jackman up there twelve times before we straight guys over yes. us. Yes, before we, for you even put um, Jesse Smollett. I'm saying his name wrong. He may get one cover, but somebody who hasn't done nothing in years will get three. Mm-hmm. Haven't even mouthed a word about gay pride or LGBT rights. Get three covers, but we can't get B. Slade to get one. When you talk about speaking of B. Slade, how can you ignore B. Slade as a as a per, you know, a person of color who is an artist, who's a gay artist, and we don't <laughs> we don't hear about him, but you know, some little white boy singing sad songs get covers and articles and all that. I'm like, that's interesting. Like, it's very interesting how you see who gets covers, who gets stories, and yet here is people like you know, you got Mikey out there, you got different um, rappers or artists of 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 color that don't get this type of shine. But let some pretty little white boy with a guitar get up there and sing a song or two, and they got articles for days. They got but days. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. So I feel like with this hashtag, um, my ultimate goal was for people to be woke on it, to let some of these white editors know, like, we, we see you. That's, I want you to know that we see you, and every time that you do something, we're going to call it out. Um, but I also wanted people to just be aware of this is real. This is an issue. We can, some people say that there's bigger issues. Um, and I was like, yes, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can talk about big issues and talk about this issue. And for some of us, this is a big issue. So, um, you know, I, again, I also told people, like, this is not even about me. I didn't want people to think that this was about me trying to be famous. I'm like, no. I, if anybody saw any of the tweets I was putting out, I was basically telling people, like, hey, if you got, article if you got a blog use this hashtag to get your stuff out this is about you getting making sure because everybody was talking about it use this to get your stuff out so people know who you are you know i i wanted this to be where people can see each other 
Right. Um, now, like I said, this is not about me. Somebody else can take it and run with it two more years later. I don't care. Um, but I wanted this to be something that we bonded over and was aware, you know, be more aware about. But also for us to kind of, you know, realize the true foolishness happening here and how do we hold them accountable. And I like that in some ways now, some of them are aware of that and they're claiming they would do something. Again, a lot of this was behind the scenes, but right. they claiming they will be doing something. And I said, well, you, we will be watching. And the minute right. you- We don't want a piece, man. A yeah. piece be damn. Cause we will come for you. And um, it was nice to see when Attitudes put out that cover I love that people were coming from. They had to tell me they were coming from. I was like, "Wait, what happened? What?" Um, Child, I saw that. I was like, "Hold <laughs> on, look at." The, I, I was too thrilled when I, I saw that cover, and that little boy was up there. But then, in the bottom right, they gonna say, "Oh, but we're talking about racism and in the gay community." But you have this little white boy out there. Yeah. I was like, "Okay, girl, bye." Yeah. So again, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that the hashtag. Um, had it had it went had its viral moments. I still like that people still use it. I like right. that you know people that we follow were using it or saying talk about it. Um, I I like that. Um, and and I like that magazines. You know I like that there were articles written about it. So it's that what I feel like I can die knowing that I did something. <laughs> um, right. I put something out there. Um, but again, like I, it's not about me. It's about the movement in the sense that we want our voices heard and we want to be at the table. Don't forget about us. Cause if you forget, we will be um, about to, we're knocking at the window. We're right there breathing hard through the glass. Our dollar does mean something. <laughs> it does. And they need to realize that our dollars are too big. Look at God's, uh, God's of Egypt. Uh, did they look at that? Because if they looked at that, they realized they wouldn't be doing that again. Exactly. And again and again, but they still doing that. And, and but that's another story for another time. Exactly. But yeah, you said that you said you had to get some people together. About yeah. Um. I, so somebody on Facebook had uh, first of all, I tweeted the hashtag. It was just the hashtag. Mm-hmm. Uh, gay media so white. And then someone had posted the article. I don't, I forget. Uh, where the article had came from and I made a little comment and then some random guy ran up in there and said something foolish and I said that's not the point so what's what is your point for coming at me because we're not going to do that today because I have the time and we went back and forth and finally I was like look it's quitting time so therefore I have to go and run (laughs) you stay blessed and then that was it because I was, you're not going to do that to me. Yeah. Not when I I have all the cards. Yeah. And I love that. Speaking of that, I love that um, there was an article and, oh, I'm blanking on it right now, so I apologize. There was an article that did come out that gave the receipts because some, some people were like, well, how did you prove that? And I think what they did, they actually went through five years of all the covers and they broke down. I did see that. Yeah, and I was like, that's beautiful. I think it was, oh, I can't remember what it was. I, I can see the name right now, but I, I was so excited to see that article because it was like, now what can you say? Right. 
can't say anything. You can't say nothing because that was all the receipts they showed you out of five years. This is how many people of color you had. This is how many straight men you had. Um, they just gave so much life in, in the argument that it was like, okay, the receipts are out. Now what are you going to do? Like, I, 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 receipts, it's just like closed. Yeah. So I feel like now with the receipts out, all these places have to do now is either just, you know, just come on out of pocket and just say, we messed up. And just say that. Just say that. And we will be like, okay, now what you going to do about it? That's all we right. want. We're not trying to, you know, we would like for you to hire more people of color to write. I mean, the interesting thing, and we're going to end this with Prince, was um, there is a story about when Prince was, they, um, InStyle Magazine wanted to interview Prince, and Prince said, you don't have any black people write. Who, I want a black writer. And they had to literally go hire a black writer to right. do that. And that's yeah. what, yeah. The black story. You can't tell a minority story or a woman's story from the stereotypical white man's eye. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. So I applaud Prince for doing that and so much more. Yeah. And we're going to end this today talking about Prince and how Prince meant so much. And it's funny because I work with students and I was telling them, I said, you will never know an artist like that in your lifetime. Like I said, Beyonce is kind of what you got now. But we, yeah, a lot like of us, seven instruments. yeah, we, we grew up with, I feel like the greats, you know, we grew up with Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Prince. I even give Madonna some of that little credit. Um, we, 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 we grew up with that, but Prince was my time. He was really getting into, I grew up when Purple Rain came out. I grew up before Purple Rain came out with Prince. And so I think he was the eye opener for me about being different and reveling in it. Um, I, I think of a lot of things that I ever did from growing my hair out and straightening it to how I drew when I wanted to be a designer, how I designed clothes. When I used to write my own comic, some of their costumes based off what I saw from Prince uh, or, some, or some characters I created was from some of the lyrics that he had. A lot of things Prince inspired me in so many different ways. I'm totally not making any sense, but Prince really inspired me in ways I didn't even realize. And that's why I think that's a true testament to an artist is when they inspire you in ways you had no idea. Um, this man has done so much stuff, music-wise and activist-wise. I don't know if you've seen um, the interviews with Van Jones. Those tore me up. Mm. I could see, you can just feel that pain that he was he was losing a friend yeah and when he was saying it's hard for me to talk about him in the past tense yeah because he's not here and prince uh he funded the yes we code yeah um he funded did he funded solar panels in oakland mm-hmm funded all these different projects but I think because he was a he was a Jehovah's Witness mm-hmm. his uh, teachings didn't allow him to be boastful or say anything about mm-hmm. it I know for me um, I was never this ultimate Prince fan yeah but I remember going through my mom's record collections 
and seeing uh, Purple Rain and seeing this little short guy. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is, but that looks cool to me. Mm-hmm. And it was more about that identity of being comfortable with yourself, which I think a lot of people, especially in the black gay community, uh, other minorities, uh, women, really identified with back uh, when he was in his prime. Um, I remember going to the movies and jamming out to Party Man um, and watching Batman. Mm -hmm. And the music was just another layer of this genius. And I don't think people realize how really special he is and he was. Yeah, I, I he he was just so many things in so many different ways, um, and I think there was more that we will never get to see. But I was glad to be a part of it. I'm glad that I can say I experienced the the beginnings of Prince, that I was alive for that, that I remember watching him on um, Night Flight and and um, you know watching all his videos. It, the fact that he launched other careers. Um, I think about Vanity, I think about Apollonia, I think about The Family and Maserati and Madhouse, um, The Time, all that, all of that type of stuff that he did. It's funny because, you know, you think about the rap families, you know, like Cash Money, all that. I feel like Prince did that before they did that because he right. had like the families out there um, and they were all about the music. I always tell people like, look at his live performances. Um, I will say if y'all get bored, Google the live performance of I Would Die For You, Baby, I'm a Star. That performance alone is it's, it's so hype. It is hype. Um, watch America, the live um, performance of America from, um, I think it was Around the World in the Day. That song is from that album. It's when he gave performance, he gave performance. Right. We do not get that that much anymore. Again, you Beyonce. It's sad that Beyonce is kind of one of the few that you get all that from. But he, um, he just gave you life in so many ways, and I think it's gonna be hard. Like it's still hard for me to say like, he's gone. You know, he's yeah. gone. And then when you look back at his work, you're like, wow. He gave us so much, and he didn't ask for much. He just wanted to be like free to do music. That's when you think about his career. He fought to just give music for, to, right. to everybody. He gave music to everybody. He um, he did things creatively with music that a lot of people don't know how to do today. And he was always also uplifting to women as well. Like when he recruited band members, he he was happy to have women play with him. He had no problem with that. Um, he sexualized women, but he respected women. You know, he. He was a creative force that we don't have anymore. Yeah, it's... This is not going to be another person like Prince to come across. Because that sort of level of artistry, that musical genius, uh, it's lost today, Mm -hmm. honestly. That's true. And maybe because the music industry as a whole has become so homogenized mm-hmm. there's not any individuality yeah. now um, and again 
Beyonce's doing it. Yeah. I can't name anyone else who's on that kind of level and that different of an artist out right now. I mean, I will say Janelle Monet to some degree. I'll give Erica Badu some of that credit, only because Prince actually played with her, um, as well as Janelle Monet. Um, yeah, Janelle. Yeah, Janelle. I always get her name. I always say somebody else's name. And, <laughs> and then um, Anthony Hamilton. You know, like there are some artists who are really giving us music. I just wish that we just had more Prince types out there that will really give us their heart and soul completely when they do their music. But, you know, rest in peace, Prince. Thank you for all the music. Um, thank you. That's all I can really say. <laughs> thank you for all of that. I mean, it's tough because you always thought you was going to have Prince. Yeah. But we're going to miss you, and thank you for all of the music. And whenever I hear... 1999, I'm going to party like it's 1999. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for us today. I think that's a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we're going to put this out there. It'll be on SoundCloud. Uh, we'll be on Twitter. We'll look into putting this in other things. And you'll hear more from us as we go along. Again, we'll have other members joining us. And then sooner or later, you will see that we are reaching out to connect with all, you know, queers of color, especially black queers of color. So look out for us as we come along. So, um, you know, y'all have a good day. And Nick, you have a good day, too. I know it's late over there, Kentucky. Yeah, it's, it's a little late over here. Yeah. Where can everybody find you on these, uh, this internet? They can find me on Twitter, Wonder Man with two N's, five. Um, they can find me on Instagram. Um, his name is Victor, and they can find me on Tumblr, which is when Victor speaks. Okay. And then they can find me on Twitter at Porter Pizzazz. They can also find me on Instagram at Mr. Sinister's Pupil. Mm-hmm. I have a little stuff up there. <laughs> Yes, for the girls. <laughs> so we'll be back. We'll probably be back because in a couple of weeks, um, Civil War comes out. Yeah, we got little movies coming out here. So mm-hmm. my husband's gonna be fighting crime on there. <laughs> uh, well, several of my husbands because you know I was with, I was married to Captain America, but then you know Black Panther showed up and I had to like, I had to leave. You know. <laughs> So I was like, you know, I can't. You had to get information because he showed up. I was like, well, you know what? That was cute, but you know, he's here, right. and we gotta get information. And, and I cheated a little bit with Bucky. I had a little bit of moments with Bucky. Okay. Right. Yeah, you know, we were messing around in the alley, and so, <laughs> but you know, I had to get information because you know, the prince, the king. Let me take that back. The king showed up, and I had to get, you know, I had to get in shape and everything. You know. I had to get it together. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, kids, until next time. Until next time. Stay out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs>